what would you rather be doing than being on a podcast with with Kevin and Tyler right now? Absolutely nothing. Perfect. Are you ready? Ready to roll. Ready to roll. Nice. Ty, you ready? Let's party. All right. I'm out. Tyler, who are we taking a time out with today? Thank you, Kevin. Rest the sea. We have the one and only Patrick Tobin, the president at Handtech. And Patrick, thanks for coming on our show. Time out with leaders. We just love to showcase uh, all the awesome leaders uh, from Rochester all the way down to where I am now in the DFW area in Texas. Uh, Patrick, we'll start off by asking you my, one of my favorite questions. Um, and I've asked this time after time, what would you rather be doing than being on a podcast with, with Kevin and Tyler right now? Absolutely nothing. Perfect. <laughs> Smoking like a true leader. <laughs> yes. Awesome. And well, Patrick, just to kind of fill us in on you, you know, we know you're the president at Handtech. Um, like I told you, my dear family up there, the, my Northern family, the Smiths know you very well, speak very highly of you. Um, other than being the president at Handtech, what are your other passions up there in Rochester? Uh, so, you know, I, uh, Passions. Well, yeah, grew up skiing and um, yeah, still do that with my boys. I'm, I'm one of three uh, boys and I've got four of my own. So uh, I had about 20 years of really not knowing what to do on a mountain because I didn't have anybody to go with. And, and now I've got a little crew to take out myself. So it's, uh, it's been fun to do that and get them into it. Uh, outside, outside of that, uh, lacrosse has uh, you know, kind of an upstate New York flair to it. And uh, my family was big into lacrosse. My younger brother played uh, D1. My older brother played D1 and professionally. And um, yeah, so, you know, we get into all those sort of things and uh, we try and stay warm in the winter, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So not, not, a, not an easy task, Tyler, as you may remember, but it's what, probably 80 <laughs> degrees out where you are right now. So, oh, it's uh, a little cold for down here. <laughs> yeah. Patrick, you almost got enough boys on you in the Tobin family there to have your own uh, basketball team, it sounds like. I, I saw the picture of you on LinkedIn. You got four beautiful boys. I got a, I just had a boy myself. What's the greatest gift of being a father to you? You know, it's um, every day you wake up, you get a chance to go in and give them a hug and a kiss before you go into the office. And uh, yeah, they, they surprise you with something new that they say every day. Uh, yeah, you get a chance to watch the things that excite them and you quickly learn that the things that uh, meant a lot to you don't necessarily uh, mean a lot to them, but uh, you you enjoy uh, learning what gets them going and what makes them excited. And uh, yeah, it's just trying to give them a good foundation and understanding of yeah, how to how to be good uh, individuals, how to contribute to those around you, and trying to help out um, and uh, you know, hopefully give them the framework to to be good good people. Yeah, yeah, it's easier said than done. And kind of some past guests that we've had is this that uh, social media is great for some things, but terrible for others. And kind of it's 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 really hard on our youth is what Tyler and I have really learned, uh, possibly leading to some of these other conversations on mental health and all these other things. But all right, well, enough with the, the sad song of uh, that. Um, let's talk about some happier things where let's talk about that ride into work that you have every day. What music are you listening to? And if Tyler and I were to pull up next to you, what song are you lip singing to? You know, I, I, I'm not as young as I once was. So I'm kind of boring these days. It's usually either a podcast or an audible book. Okay. Uh, yeah. 
throw you guys on sometimes. I listen to some Tom Woods, Dave Smith. I think currently I'm listening to Viral by Matt Ridley. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's usually it. Uh, yeah, you know, if if you had to lock me down on music, it's probably something in the '90s grunge range. Fast uh, okay. Chains, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Temple of the Dog, uh, something like that. That's more when we when you're leaving our office, maybe at three o'clock on a Friday. I know you're not throwing on our podcast because that would be really depressing. But <laughs> it, I would also <laughs> I would kick off that '90s music there with some Nirvana myself. That's amazing. <laughs> Oh yeah, a little PJ. That's right up our, my wheelhouse. You know, I was born in '84, and that 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 bang out of Seattle was a that was a monster. And uh, yep. And Patrick, I just wanted to ask you. I saw that you were a Terp over there at University of Maryland. Um, besides Juan Dixon scoring like 90 points in the national championship, what is your best memory of the University of Maryland? Uh, well, are we talking? Are we talking sports? Because I actually was at that game. Wow. <laughs> oh, let's go! I, 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 my that, every time I, I, games of all time, I just I think. think of Juan Dixon. Just not. Did he miss? No, that whole game. Uh, no, he was he was on fire. You know, had what? Laron Prophet on that team. We had uh, X. Uh, no, X. X. Re Hip and uh, Joe Smith and Keith Booth were when I was there. Uh, and it was shortly thereafter. Uh, yeah, but yeah, they were they were on fire, and they just managed to get hot at the right time. Uh, what Indiana knocked off Duke, and then uh, we went on to beat them in the national cha- championship down in Atlanta. So I got to watch the Terps in the Final Four, and uh, we had tickets for the Indians and the uh, Braves for opening day. Yeah, it was Lonnie Baxter on that team also. Yeah, Baxter. Lonnie Baxter. Jeez. Well, I guess that answers it right there. When I was a kid, man, I wanted to be Juan Dixon after watching that game. I was like, how do I do all of that? You know, and I'll never forget it. Well, then that. that, Oh, that game was amazing. And then the coach, everybody was right behind him. Yeah, it was good. You pulled that name out. That was, you know. Going back a little ways there. I don't even think he had an NBA career, did he? <laughs> Not really. No, he was just like the guy that like didn't miss in that championship game. And I was like, I, I need to know how he does that. You know, yeah. and then I went and shot my 500 threes that night, probably. And, that's uh, like that's like the the year two years Kentucky made the championship with uh, Boatwright who couldn't miss for UConn and then Kemba Walker who also couldn't miss that entire tournament for that that it's amazing yeah. and then Patrick you were COO down at UNC the, a, a small place that knows a little something about basketball <laughs> how being a sports fan did you did you go to a lot of games down in Chapel Hill too so I did go to a few games down at Chapel Hill. That was a fun time. And, and my older, or my younger brother, I'm sorry, uh, as I mentioned before, went to Duke. And uh, one of his close friends was actually the 80s son. So, uh, you know, you we go. used to go to some basketball games. The one ticket I could never get him to give me was the Terps ticket. So uh, for, for four years living down there, every year I was on him to give me tickets to the Terps you know, game in, you know, in, at Duke. And uh, yeah, the last year I, I thought I had him. I kept, you know, come on, JD, you got me, right? You got me. We're going to the game. We're going to the game. Yeah, yeah, I got you, I got you, I got you. Week before the game, all right, yeah, we're going, right? Yeah, about that. It's like, <laughs> no, 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 don't start it that way. It's like, kind of told my dad you went to Maryland, he won't give us the tickets. Like, oh, 
Oh, no. Oh. Well, you could God. be a Duke fan for a day. It might kill you, yeah. but you could try. <laughs> yeah. I, I told him I'd wear blue. I, you know, I was good. He, he was having none of it. That brings me back. I was watching Seinfeld, not to bring up, not get on a total tan, but Ellen gets those tickets to the Yankees and wears the Baltimore hat. That, that's like reminding me of this whole experience right now. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Well, all right, Patrick, well, let's take a turn a little towards the leadership here. I mean, we have some fun with you here. Uh, I, I, I really can't believe you got to watch Juan Dixon go off like that. Like I said, that was my ultimate like memory as a kid growing up. Um, so let's turn it to hand tech right quick. Um, so you've been there about around 23 years and uh, can you just kind of dive in about what hand tech is and like, what, how do you build your culture over there? I need you to take down that 23 years a little bit. Sound, sound less shocked about it. It feels a lot better when you say that. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, been great. And this is a family company, as you guys know. Uh, so my father started it. I came in, uh, I worked in the shop when I was a kid. Um, yeah, when I was in college, did a little bit of work in our service department, came out and, you know, got, got into it. Um, so, you know, I've worked at all capacities pretty much. Uh, probably my father's one, uh, you know, regret is that I didn't go into engineering as a college student, but, you know, I was focused on uh, the business side of it. Uh, in retrospect, I see where he was coming from. But, uh, you know, fortunately, you surround yourself with the best possible people. And, yeah, we've got that here. Uh, we really have some great guys. Um, I believe in the theory that you yeah, try not to be the smartest guy in the room, but you surround yourself with the smartest people around. Um, so, you know, I, I try and find the guys that are the most uh, talented, the most intelligent in what they do. Uh, we generally try to uh, come up with some goals on what we plan to achieve for the year. Uh, and then I get out of their way and I let them do it. And I try and be here as a sounding board to work through things with them uh, so that we stay on, on point. Love that. And being a family-owned business, obviously, um, probably has its challenges when it does come to that culture perspective, right? I mean, the culture that your father created uh, years ago probably is not the same culture that's in place today because it can't be uh, in this new normal. What was the biggest, I guess, takeaway that you learned from your father seeing him in that leadership role? What was the greatest lesson that he taught you? You know, I think it was um, care for your people and trying to make sure that you put them in the best position uh, you can to be successful. Um, you know, if you do a good job and you understand the skills and uh, yeah, qualities that they have and you try and put them in the right seat. And if you can do that more often than not, then you're able to provide an environment where they can succeed. Mm -hmm. And if they can succeed, then... Uh, you know, your organization has a chance to succeed. And, and to your point, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I don't hear a lot of people talk about this, but being from a generational company, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because you, you see uh, a mentor, uh, you know, a father in front of you, and you try uh, in your early part of your career to model what you're doing directly uh, after what they did. And at some point in time, you, you come to understand that you've got certain skill sets that they may not have, and they have certain skill sets that you may not have. Um, and you take the good from uh, what you learned, and then you try and uh, craft it around your, your own strengths, as opposed to uh, trying to imitate uh, 100% uh, 
uh, what somebody else was doing. Um, and it takes a little while to figure that out, but I, I think um, you know we've kind of gotten to a point now where you know, my, my father's uh, still here as a sounding board. I've started to yeah, find my own uh, my own voice. So. What did it take to build that confidence? Because it sounds like confidence, right? I think I, I think during that transition, it's probably easier, less disruption. I'm just going to be the exact same person my father was. Everybody seems to be happy with how he's leading. But when, I guess, when was that point in time where you realized it's okay to be myself, Patrick, and use my strengths um, and change maybe the leadership or, or focus in different areas so I can we can continue forward as a business? Yeah, sure. I mean, and I think uh, the reality is you have to go through some struggles, uh, right? You know, you, you've got some ideas, you've got some thoughts, you know, uh, some philosophies you know, before you get there. Uh, but everybody gets tested at some point or another. Uh, you know, we've lived through ups and downs in the economy, through uh, you know recessions and um, through other things, and and you kind of fight your way through, and you know, eventually you start to realize, um, you know, hey, you know, it's, it's not all just uh, you know, gravy. And uh, when things get tough, um, you know, we had to put our nose down. We were able to do, it. and um, then you start to you know, recognize sometime after that, when you look back in the mirror that, you know, you got, you got it done and you made your way through it. Um, and, and, you know, I don't think there's ever a point where you just go, oh yeah, I, you know, I, I got this, this is, you know, um, this is yeah a piece of cake. You know, you just start to recognize that, you know, you can make your way through things and, and, you know, through hard work and, and determination, you're going to, you're going to get, get it done. That's awesome. And Patrick, I saw that you, you mentioned that you, you started with the business development side over there when you first started out. I, I got a little taste of business development Same here. And, and the 585. Um, you know, I think I actually Googled one day, where can I find human beings to meet, you know, and, and, and not cold call all this time, uh, just different avenues. What, what, what keys or suggestions do you have for those business development reps out there where in your part of the country up there, you know, I know it's a tight knit group. It, it felt like to me. Um, and I felt like I had to sell my only other brother to get into some doors, you know, but is there, are there any other keys or tricks or tips uh, besides of course, just being a good person and always showing up where you're, you're going to say you're going to show up and just the, the stuff we learn as four-year-olds, I want to say, but just what's your experience up there in the business development world? Uh, do better than I did. <laughs> But uh, no, you know, it's funny. I think uh, my older brother really had more on that animal than I did. It took a while for me to kind of uh, work my way through that. You know, I always wanted to come in, yeah, totally researched and yeah, totally refined. And, yeah, understand everything. And I, at some point you're like, hold on a second. I don't have time to do all this. I need to just get on the phone and get it done. And, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah you you. you some personalities, you know, you kind of worry about, oh, how's it going to go? And yeah, it's, yeah, it's just be who you are. Uh, use your personality. Uh, yeah, uh, nobody's going to come through the phone and, and beat you up. Nobody's going to take your house or your kids. Um, yeah, you, you, you give them the best, most honest pitch you possibly can and, and you know, represent what you think is going to help their business. And, you know, uh, at the end of the day, if they say no, well, you know, thick skin and go to the next you know um, yeah that's kind of the way it goes there yeah and uh yeah so i thought i don't know yeah that's uh, he's, 
you sound more like me, Patrick, when I approach a cold call too, because I'm like, oh, I should know at least something before I call this place a little bit more about them. And, and then Tyler's like, oh no, it's like, I just, now it's a numbers game. And it's, 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 it's almost building a different relationship with somebody than you, you ever had the opportunity to before. And um, that's why we started uh, to, to, to branch out and try new things because the pandemic forced us to. Um, when you first were becoming a leader, who was the first person that you told? Who was the first person that I what? Called and told when your father said, all right, Patrick, it's time for you to step up to the plate and be the CEO of Hantech. Who was your first call to? You know, um, we never really had that. Uh, you know, so my father had some, uh, some family issues uh, that we were dealing with. And I had to uh, step in a little bit more and a little bit more uh, to help offset him uh, yeah, from that yeah, core role as president and CEO. And um, it just kind of developed, it, it, it happened. Uh, so I guess I didn't really necessarily yeah, call anybody or I didn't have that moment of, hey, you're, you're president now. Yeah. It just, yeah, there was there was a transition, and I was very fortunate to always have him there to support me. Uh, and even with today's uh, managers, you know, he really acts as uh, kind of our, our consigliere to you know go to with you know challenges. I mean, yeah, I've I've seen some things, but he certainly got a number of years on me. And you know, whenever someone thinks that you know, oh, geez, this is a pretty unique situation, you know, it usually turns out he's seen it before. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's helpful from that side of it. I, but I guess I would probably say my wife, uh, I, you know, probably looked over at her at one point in time and said, yeah, I think I'm running this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice to hear someone's experience, you know, um, in, in my time in the, the workplace or in anything, really. You know, when you get preached at, you're like, I don't know, I just take it a little differently. But when someone's been there, done that and had that experience before, I'm all in. You know, and then I can share that experience with someone else and the way people take that. They just think it's, it's the belief system, really. They start believing in you, then you build that trust. And uh, I was going to ask you, Patrick, how do you, how do you make sure that your employees over there feel valued? What, what, what tips and tricks you got for us there? So, I mean, I think, um, you know, one of the things that we try and do here is to em empower them. Uh, yeah, I try to advocate for our, our managers to treat their employees the same way I try to treat them. You know? So let them know what their uh, goals are, let them know uh, what we need to do on the project they're working on or uh, in the role that they're, they're uh, playing in our organization. Uh, check in with them, give them your support, uh, listen to what their challenges are, understand what the obstacles are in their way um, and, you know, give them the opportunity to clear them, um, you know, and I think once somebody gets a chance to feel that and understand that they were able to come up with a, a solution and they were supported in that effort, uh, they start to realize that they play an important role in the company. And once they see that, that image and that picture of what the company is and what their role is, then they recognize that they're valuable as a contributor to the organization. Um, uh, so, you know, it's, it's through empowerment, uh, really, and listening. And, you know, beyond that, um, you know, we do the best we can to, uh, you know, communicate and, and ask questions. Uh, I do a uh, weekly, uh, you know, what's on your mind conversation 
we do uh, a team's meeting with the entire organization and I just open up the floor. I, you know, I can't help myself, but give a quick introduction. Uh, but that's usually about a minute. And then, you know, we do 15 to 20 minutes, ask me anything you want, you know, what's, what's going on and what are your questions about where we are as an organization? Has that helped you to, to establish, I guess, more trust with them? whether they asked for it or not, Patrick, and, and just offering that opportunity that they can come to you with those types of questions, has, has that helped them build trust, obviously, with what you're doing in the direction that you're taking hand tech? But also, uh, to second part two of that is, I think from that trust, then you said you help get out of their way. Um, can you kind of explain that? Uh, I know it's a twofold question, but I wanted to be sure to, to kind of link the two. Yeah, so I mean, I hope it has. Um, you know, I think it has. Uh, yeah, the big thing, yeah, we were going through COVID, same as everybody else. Uh, and, you know, I think a lot of people had questions, you know, what's going on? You know, where, where are we? You know, where, where are things going? Um, you know, there was a, a period of time uh, when our customers basically shut down. Fortunately, yeah, we had a great backlog and, um, you know, we were able to work through it. Uh, and we were able to keep our commitment to our people. And, you know, we lost a couple along the way, some uh, you know, mostly through their own uh, decisions. Uh, but by and large, we were able to stand by our people through it. And, uh, you know, that felt pretty good, but, you know, recognize that that's a scary situation for them. Uh, and, you know, we wanted to make sure, hey, you know, we're, we're here. I may not have all the answers for you, but I'll answer what I can. And if I need to get back to you, I'll, I'll do the best I can to get you an answer. So, you know, that's kind of what it was. And as far as getting out of the way, um, yeah, I mean, you know, if I, if I have uh, an engineering manager and, you know, he and I both agree on, you know, what his goals are uh, for the organization and for his team, um, you know, okay, let's, let's put it there. Uh, yeah, now with regard to your strategy and you know, how you plan on executing your plan, uh, I'm, I'm game. You know, you, yeah, let's talk about it so we all understand you know, what it is. Um, but you, know, you, need to, you need to do you, right? You need to use your own style and your own leadership um, and yeah, go, go do it. Uh, and I think that's kind of where sometimes it can be hard ever been a real micromanager um but you know you do have the impulse to want to try and help and tweak if you see things not going uh the way that you know you think they're going to um, and sometimes it's having a little confidence and and sometimes it's helping right so you know hey you know let's, let's work through it let's let's talk about you know what's working what's not working and uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll get it done so yeah you make it seem so easy, Patrick. You're like you're like cooler than Doc Holiday, man. Um, yeah. I was gonna I was gonna ask you where where do you golly uh, where do you see Handtech with in like 15 years from now? Do you have a, a vision on where Patrick Tobin's gonna lead this this uh, crew to? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I don't think it's uh, overly complicated for us. It, it's really um, just keeping you know the growth trajectory. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, the most important thing is to make sure that we're providing good solutions and we're providing value to our customers. And if we do that, I think that we're going to continue to grow. Uh, but it, it's not 
it's not uh, purely about the numbers, right? Yeah. Uh, if we're doing a good job, we're providing a good work environment, we're providing good solutions and, and services to our customers. That's good. You know, I, I, yeah, I can support myself on, on what we're doing here. Um, you know, obviously there's a threshold you need to be at, uh, so you don't want to drop below that, but um, you know, it, it's not necessarily about a, a figure. You know, it's not like in 15 years, I want to be, you know, 200 million. It's just, you know, let's, let's continue to do good work. Um, you know, we, we grew significantly last year. Uh, we anticipate doing the same again this year. Um, and as long as the team is uh, excited about that direction, we're going to continue to do that and stay in our wheelhouse. That you asked that same question to so many people, Tyler. How many yeah. business valuations will, will you probably hear out of that person's mouth? In 15 years, we want to be at 250. Just hearing you say that, Patrick, is just so powerful because yeah, it just puts you know it, you know it will come. You focus on the right inputs, the output should be just a natural occurrence. And you just saying that is just focus more on the inputs, take care of the customers, take care of the employees. They're, the rest is going to take care of itself. I just need to create that environment of enabling their success and giving them that opportunity. Powerful, powerful stuff. Uh, so I got a question. I guess kind of piggybacking off of that. What was the one greatest lesson that you had to learn as a CEO to get to what you just said? Is that something that came naturally to you to just say, hey, you know what? If I take care of people, the business is, is, is going to come. What lesson did you have to learn? Or was this something that was born into you and you just saw that? No, I, I do think, um, you know, that side of things as far as, uh, yeah, putting people in a good position and, and valuing them, um, you know, I, I suppose it was taught on some level uh, because, it, you know, it was there for my father, right? Uh, but you know, there wasn't, it, it doesn't occur to me that it was something that, you know, post my involvement or, you know, my position as president that, you know, I had to learn. It didn't, didn't really come that You didn't way. have to hire an executive coach to tell you to be a better person and to treat your people better? Um, no. So, I, I mean, you know, that's, that, that was kind of, uh, yeah, there. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. What was, I'm sorry, what was the second part of the question? There's two What was parts. the greatest lesson that you had to learn as a CEO? Greatest lesson I had to learn. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's more just uh, how things come together, right? And uh, not necessarily from a personnel standpoint, um, but every, uh, every position and every role is intertwined with the way that the structure of the function and the strategy of the company uh, has to work together. Um, so, you know, how do you, how do you balance uh, your investment in each different component uh, to make sure that you're providing um, the best structure and the, the best uh, organization uh, you know, for your team and, and for your value to your customers. Uh, you know, and it takes a little bit of time to kind of get that square away, but yeah, you know, I, I don't, yeah, you know, and I don't think it's a perfect thing that, you know, every organization, you know, it's either going to be this, this, and this, um, but, you know, you do start to see that you need to have alignment and you do have to, you know, have, uh, you know, the right, uh, the, the right total investment in each one of those components. How do you, how do you, uh, I guess, encourage or um, give the opportunity for that cross-pollination across business units so they have that communication and you're getting, I guess, more of an accurate representation of what's actually happening and you're not being told what you want to hear, but what's actually happening? 
Great question. Um, yeah, I mean, I, and I think some of that is uh, making sure that the interface is there between the groups. And sometimes it's very difficult. Uh, you know, in particular in our type of business, uh, you know, we've got groups which uh, all have to work. You know, it's, it's like a team, right? It's, you know, the cliched sports analogies and so forth. Um, but, you know, you've got your uh, you know, sales team, which has to do a good job of executing and, and providing clarity on what's being sold. Uh, and they're going to hand it off to your project management team who needs to you know, take it from there, understand it completely, make sure that uh, they've got buy-in from uh, the engineering team and, and that everybody's on board with what we're doing. Um, they've got to get their job done on time and professionally and to our standards in order to hand it off to our shop and install team. Um, and then they've got to take it from there and, and, and uh, you know, basically bring it home. Uh, right. So, you know, each one of those teams, if they're, if they're not doing their job or not providing the appropriate clarity can cause some conflict with each other. You know, if the sales team doesn't do a good job of providing uh, clarity in, in what we're providing, since everything's custom, then the project team is going to be very frustrated with them because they're getting handed something that doesn't have uh, the appropriate uh, yeah, customer inter interface or understanding. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, the, the project management team, um, you know, they need good clarity and good communication with all of the different resources on that job. Um, you know, and if they're not providing that, then you're going to have uh, a lack of continuity um, as you're going through and, and trying to hit schedules. Um, so, you know, it's daily huddles, um, you know, with each of the divisions. It's, it's, you know, daily or, you know, weekly huddles on projects to make sure that there's good, good communication, good continuity, and then, you know, maintaining our process. Uh, the only thing, you know, we've got here that's consistent from one job and one day to the next is our process. So you know, we're an ISO uh, 9001, 2015 company, and uh, we just got our recertification, which was good to get. Um, but, you know, it's, it's following that and it's understanding that, you know, somebody, you know, you get hit by a bus, somebody needs to be able to pick up where you are and understand how to, you know, keep that job going. And, uh, you know, as you hand it off to the next guy, that he knows exactly what to expect from what you've delivered to. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's communication, it's, you know, understanding and, and respect for what each one of those different players has to do in order to make, um, you know, jobs successful. Love that. Love the job and respect. Yeah, it sounds like you have that alignment down packed, Patrick. <laughs> Golly. Yeah, that's a lot. That is a lot. And I was going to ask you, how do you keep that fire into people over there and that keep it fun and fresh and keeping that talent? I'm Because I'm just putting myself in your shoes. And I, I, I would beat myself up almost all the time to just figure out pretty much what I said, how to keep that fire in people's bellies and, and make it fun and worth, you know, getting up out of bed for it. What, what do you do around that around hand tech? You know what? I mean, I think our guys, um, you know, I, I'll take attitude and aptitude every day of the week over our, you know, resume. Mm -hmm. um, so, you, you know, the guys that are coming in, they love what they do. And there's not so much, you know, putting a fire in their belly. It's, you know, what they wake up to do when they, when they come in in the morning. Um, you know, they're, they're watching how it's made or, you know, made in America. They're going home and watching YouTube videos about, 
uh, you know, different types of solutions. And yeah, all of a sudden, you know, you, you're going through uh, trying to develop a solution for somebody and they've got 16 YouTube videos about different uh, you know, things that uh, they found when they were, they were, you know, poking around and you're, you're going, wow, all right, good. You know, uh, so yeah, I think you know, those are the type of guys that we're looking, you know, we're looking for, and then we want to be a part of our culture. Um, yeah, if you, you know, there's different types of engineers, right? And this is largely who we talk to or who we, who we employ here. And there's different types of uh, fabricators and installers. And if you're the type of engineer who likes to grind out uh, one point of efficiency, I'll tell you right now, this is the wrong place for you. Mm -hmm. But if you like, uh, yeah, coming in and having a blank sheet of paper and having to develop a solution, and you love coming up with that, that yeah, creative design, you're probably the type of guy who's going to just love coming into work. That's what we do every day. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's each one of those. And, and then, you know, project managers, you know, do, is, is it important for you to you know, come in each day and find a way to make sure that we're staying on schedule and, and on budget, we're delivering the right uh, value to our customer. You know, uh, these are the things, yeah, it's, it's, it's being able to do that. Yeah, either you love it or you don't. And if if you don't, it's okay. You know, there's there's nine to five jobs at Xerox that you know where you used to work. Yeah, it's a different environment. You know, you come in and you can you can check in at eight o'clock and check out at five, and yeah, it's fine. Uh, yeah, here it's you know you get it done. Yeah. I love, I just love your attitude and aptitude piece, but um, what you, how you related it back to the resume today, it's a, it's a, it's a thing that I feel like is so broken and why most organizations can't seem to, to get ahead is that they've, we've put such a focus on the resume and like where they've spent their time previously. But if we're judging them off of these characters off of a page as to if this person is actually going to be a fit. It just seems counterproductive, in my opinion, and hearing you say the aptitude and attitude is more important to the overall success and mission of the organization. Um, one thing that is obviously abundantly clear with your business is that you need to push for innovation constantly. You need to have that thought-provoking conversation, so you must be pretty comfortable with change, Patrick. And I saw that that's an area of your focus. You love change management and explaining why, the how, and, and then what's next. If you were to give, because obviously a lot of businesses are going, getting more comfortable with change here as we head into 2022, and we realize that some of the things that we had thought are not going to come to fruition, like the people not coming back to work, it's not the federal checks, it's just they're not coming back to work for you. Um, right. So that's a really how if you were to give i guess some advice to these leaders in similar positions that are going to have to get comfortable with change what are some of your tips or tricks um with change management um on what you've learned i guess over your years of experience as to what works and what maybe some best best practices yeah well yeah first i don't know that i would say i love change uh <laughs> but we all know what happens right yeah. so you gotta be and you know you're trying to figure out how best to address it and um you know i i think uh i'll probably mess this up but i think it was patent that said uh yeah the plan is nothing planning is everything and uh yeah i think that's that's yeah particularly relevant yeah we we try and identify what it is uh you know we look on we look to achieve um and yeah then we address a plan 
that you know provides us with an opportunity to get there and yeah comes up and yeah you have to change and, and adapt your plan well you know you've got a plan that you're working from uh and now mm -hmm. you you uh yeah make some tweaks to it and, and address what you have to mm -hmm. um yeah particularly our business uh you know it's it's all custom like we were talking about earlier uh, so, you know, I, I can't knock out a bunch of widgets and yeah, just, you know, try and find a place to stuff them. You know, we, we actually, we need to plan, we need to hire, we need to, um, you know, address, uh, the potential for each of these unique opportunities that we're going to be, uh, designing. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a constant evolution. Yeah. doesn't sound like two days are the same over there. And it seems like that's really what uh, a lot of workers have realized during the pandemic is, do I see myself doing the job I'm in today for the rest of my life? And the answer was no. Um, so having that opportunity for, for all these quick changes. And, and I think when we change, we're all always learning. But back to your innovation piece, you have the process, but you do not lose out on the innovation because you create that safe environment to get back that information from your engineers and from your staff that maybe you wouldn't know or see in your position. So I love, I love that. Yeah, Patrick, what's your favorite part about being the president of hand tech? Uh, you know, I, good question. Um, you know, what do, I, what do I love about being the president of hand tech? Um, you know, I, I think it's, uh, yeah, the opportunity to, uh, yeah, provide a successful environment. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a constant, uh, constantly moving goalpost. Um, but, you know, you've, you've got this thing you're trying to build and you've got these people that you're trying to build it with. And, uh, you know, I guess, you know, it's a little like uh, a jigsaw puzzle that never has a finish point. Um, but you get a little That's bit closer and a little bit closer. <laughs> uh, you, you, you're, you're working at it and you're trying to do the very best you can to get everything uh, you know, put together, uh, and it's it's working towards uh, making making it a better organization, a better place uh, each day. And yeah, you know, I think that's that's where we're trying to get to, right? Yeah, you know, you know, what do you what do you wake up and, and want to do, or or whatever uh, you know, one of those questions is. Uh, you know, I, I think it's it's trying to have a productive day. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes you, you, you get in and it's, it sounds like it's an easy thing to do. Um, but, you know, if you can really make some positive moves um, each day, then at the end of the year, you get a chance to look back and you see that you actually accomplished quite a bit. Um, so. Well, well Patrick, you are the definition of cool, calm, and collected. Literally. Me, man. <laughs> well, I got to ask before we get off this, what upsets you? <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, Not getting invited to see the Terps play in, do uh, in, in camera. <laughs> Maybe oh. that. That was the only time I saw him actually show some sort of. Yeah. <laughs> so, somebody, somebody blowing a game that I had recorded. Yeah, that's, that's not good. <laughs> okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, but no, you know, I, I think, um, I, I think, you know, when, you try to not have too high highs and too low lows, right? So there's a little bit of that. Um, but, you know, with regard to, you know, what, what can get you frustrated, um, yeah, sometimes things don't go the way that you want them to. So, you know, as long as we're 
doing our best and we're working hard uh, to, to deliver for um, yeah, our customers and we're out there uh, chasing it down. There's certain things that are uncontrollable, um, but you know, I'm sure you guys have heard the phrase control the controllables, right? Uh, when we let the controllables slip through our fingers and don't do something that you know, we should do, um, that we agreed to do, uh, that you know, we know can, can be a positive, uh, that's, that's frustrating to me. Uh, yeah, if, uh, if something doesn't go your way because it was more difficult or, or you know, an environmental issue caused an impact, we're dealing with COVID, right? So uh, we're, we're, we're getting supply chain issues left and right. And our guys are working their tails off to truncate those issues, uh, to you know, work with the customer to make sure that they know where things are and we're addressing this. I can't get mad about that. You know, We'll address it, we'll do the very best we can and we'll take the proactive steps we can. Uh, but if, if, if somebody drops a ball that we all agreed to, um, and other people are affected by that, right? I mean, you know, this is a, you know, it's a team, it's a collaboration. You know, you drop the ball, 10 people are affected by the fact that you didn't get things done. Yeah, that's, that's frustrating. Oh, definitely. I, I saw that you, you gave that sales experience that I've, I've seen that in pretty much every sales position that I've been in, right? And it's um, either a lack of respect or a total of just, hey, that's your job kind of thing. When you hand that order over to, what happens next, right? The project manager and, and you speaking on that, it's its almost like you created that that uh, ability to create more conversation behind this, to understand how that, if you cut corners here, how it negatively impacts the whole process and how it impacts Tom, Betty and Jerry's position. I think that that would have helped a lot of scenarios when we understood how it had this rippling effect across the entire organization. Maybe we would be a little less selfish um, and a little bit more selfless and, and, and do what is required during that process. I love, I love that. Um, control the controllables. That is something that I needed to hear today because I think as we move forward in 2022, so many people are ready to put COVID behind us. And now here we are, I'm working from home again uh, for the next 14 days to really see what's, what's going to happen after all the holidays. So really building that resilience or, uh, as we as we continue forward in this new normal. Uh, I just can't stop thinking about Juan Dixon over here and tell you the truth, man. Um, Don't forget uh, Drew Nicholas. Drew <laughs> what did he say? Wait, was Steve Blake on that team or is that after? he was. I think Steve Blake was the next year, wasn't it? Because they, they made a run and, uh, yeah, Steve wanted to be the guy and, and Nicholas kept on hitting threes and he kept on trying to steal the ball and it was it was unbelievably frustrating to watch. Didn't don't he get, get me punched started. in the face in practice or something? Oh, don't get me started on Steve Blake. Marcus Kennedy made me almost cry when I was nine years old. We. My Razorbacks played them after we won the national championship in 94 and Camby laid it on us, man. It was the first game of the year. I was like, all gun ho. I was like 10 years old. And I was just like tears in my eye. You're like, I thought we won the national championship last year. <laughs> Smith, Smith owned Duncan in college. And then they went to the pros and yeah, Duncan arguably had a better pro career. Yeah, yeah arguably. arguably. Like, Who's Joe Smith? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Patrick, you've been obviously a blast. I think Tyler and I would uh, love to love to take you out for a beer sometime. 
and just really talk about it. You're like Tyler said, you're so calm, cool, and collected that uh, typically we don't see that in leadership. Leadership is usually moving at a hundred miles an hour and not really sure what tomorrow is going to bring, but it seems like following your process and believing in your people has brought you peace almost in a time where some people are, are, are not sure what tomorrow is going to bring. And I'm sure you, there's some concerns of as a business, but your belief in your people and just where you're headed as hand tech um, is, is something that I think we can all get behind and, 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 and envy um, seeing that you're in that leadership role. But I just want to say thank you, Patrick, for sharing your insights with us, with Tyler and I, and obviously all our listeners. Um, and a hand tech would be on my radar if I was in the engineering game. But thank you so much for being a part of this show with us, Patrick. Well, thanks for having me. I, I greatly appreciate it. And I appreciate that shout out. We do have a uh... Yeah, a number of positions open if anybody is out there listening in, in our space. Uh, love to talk to you. Love to hear what you have to offer. And uh, if, if our type of engineering solutions are what you'd like to do, uh, please let me know. As far as uh, excitement, uh, I guess it's mostly under the surface. My, my wife would uh, agree with you that you know, I'm, I'm too calm and, and too level. Uh, <laughs> apparently, I, I'm, I, I don't react quite the way that I should. And it, it can be very frustrating if you are the gift giver. Uh, so, you know, apologize, honey. It's not just you. It, it actually, this is, this is just how I come. Out.